Hi ladies, welcome back to Weekly Haftorah. This week is Parshas Vayakal Pekudeh, and we have a ton of work to do this week, because not only is it a long double Parsha, but again, this is our fourth in our series of four special Parshios leading up to Rosh Chodesh Nisan, and because of that, we have a special Maftir, and also a special Haftorah for Parshas HaChodesh. Um, so unfortunately, I'm really not going to be able to do the entire Parsha justice, but I am going to run through it very, very quickly, so we're all on the same page. The parsha this week begins with the mitzvah of Shabbos, and it explains some of the consequences for violating it. Uh, next, Moshe asks the members of Kal Yisrael if they will give up their materials, skills, time to help build the Mishkan. The last few parshios have been giving us in extreme detail all of the specifications for the Mishkan, and now it's time to actually build it. There's a very long middle portion of the Parsha, which describes the menorah, the inner and outer altars of the Mishkan, and also the washstand that would be used um, when the Kohanim would go in, when the priests would go in to do their service, um, that that would help them prepare. Next, um, the garments of the Kohen Gadol, of the high priests, are detailed, along with the garments of the regular Kohanim, the regular priests. Uh, Moshe inspects the almost finished product of what is of the Mishkan at this point to make sure that it's up to specifications. And then on Rosh Chodesh Nisan, the Jewish year is now 2449. This is one year after leaving Mitzrayim, after leaving Egypt. On that Rosh Chodesh Nisan, the Mishkan is completed. Pasuk says, Vayihi b'chodesh harishon meshana hashenis b'achad l'chodesh hukam mishkan in the first month of the second year, on the first of the month, the Mishkan was set up. And at that point, once every single last piece of the Mishkan was in place, Hashem's Shechina, His presence on earth, can finally come down because all of the conditions are such, the Mishkan has been built, and He's now able to, to come down. Um, the very last Pasuk of the Parsha says, Ki anan al ha-Mishkan yomam bo. Um, the Pasuk says, over the Mishkan was a cloud of Hashem that rested there by day, and a fire would be over it at night. In the view of all the house of Israel, all of all of the Jews, on all of their journeys. So that's a very, very brief rundown of the Parsha. Um, next, we're going to discuss the special maftir for Parsha's HaChodesh, which is this week. It's always the week um, that immediately precedes Rosh Chodesh Nisan, that's on Thursday next week. Um, so the special maftir this week comes from Sefer Shmos Perak Yud Base, chapter 12, um, and it's Pesukim Aleph Techaf, so verses 1 to 20 of that chapter. Um, right off the bat in the maftir, the first Pasuk, we get our very first mitzvah that is commanded to the entire Jewish nation. So up to this point, um, you know, we've been commanded vaguely, do this, do that, but this is the first explicit mitzvah that's given to all of Kal Yisrael as a whole. So in Pasuk base it says, HaChodesh HaZeh Lechem Rosh Chadashim Rishon Hu Lechem Hashanah. This month will be for you the first of all the months, and it will be the first month of the year for you. Um, it's important to note that when we're reading Tanakh, a lot of times, even in Navi, very, very late into the Tanakh, into the Tanakh, Psukim will reference it was the first month, it was the seventh month, it was the tenth month, and in Tanakh, when we're counting those months, we're always counting from Nisan, not from Tishrei, like we do on the calendar today. Um, so that's very important to know. 
um, in the Maftir, Hashem then commands Moshe to tell all the Jews while they're in Mitzrayim to take a Korban Pesach during this month. He says on the 10th month, you should find a perfect lamb without blemish. You should keep watch over it until the 14th of Nisan, and then you should slaughter it at midnight. Hashem then says, you should take some of the blood that comes from this um, slaughtering, and you should paint it on the doorposts of your house. He says, you should then eat the flesh that same night with matzah and maror. And on that night, Hashem says, I will strike down every firstborn in all of Egypt, and the blood that I told you to put on your doorpost will be assigned to me to spare the Jewish firstborns. Um, the the Maftir concludes with Hashem commanding us to keep Pesach as a festival throughout all of our generations. He describes what it should look like. It should be a festive occasion for you. You should eat unleavened bread for seven days. And most importantly, you should use it to remember the fact that I brought you out of slavery in Egypt. Um, so that is the summary of the Maftir. This week's half Torah, again, is based off of the special Maftir. And like last week, it comes from Sefer Yechezkel, the book of Ezekiel. It comes from Prakim Mem He and Mem Vav, so 45 and 46. And I'm going to be sending out the link to that on the WhatsApp chat um, and putting the link in the episode description on Spotify. So if you want to follow along and open that up now is a great opportunity to do that. So before I get started, I would like to mention that unlike last week, this week's Torah is extremely, extremely esoteric. Much of Yechezkel is extremely difficult to understand, as I'll describe later, because a lot of the things he's speaking about are in the times of Mashiach. So we don't have any past experience, anything to work off of. The commentators don't have a lot that they're able to add and clarify. So because of that, I would first like to thank a wonderful faculty member at Midrash Rachel, Rebbe Esther Shuren, uh, for helping me better understand and prep this week's um, Shir. She sat with me for a long time and helped me understand what was going on. And also wanted to say a thank you to Rabbi Jonathan Ziering for publishing a Shir that I used to further help me understand some of the themes and um, common threads this week. Want to give credit where credit is due. So, as always, we'll discuss historical context first. This is going to be a review from last week. So, let's remember, Yechezkel is prophesizing to the Jews in the Babylonian exile. So, he is exiled to Babel before the first temple is destroyed, and he's in Babel while the destruction is happening and afterwards. He's one of the Nevi'im Rishonim. His prophecy began just before, like I said, just before the uh, destruction of the first temple. He's prophesizing around the years 3332 to 3352 on the Jewish calendar, which is around 430 BCE on the secular calendar. His contemporary Nevi'im were Tzephaniah and Yermiahu, and he was a student of Yeshayahu. Um, let's see. He was one of the very first people to be exiled from, by the Babylonians. So like I mentioned, this, there's this program of deportation that's happening um, during, before, before and leading up to the exile. And Yehezkel is one of the very first people who is affected by that. So he's there while many, many other Jews are being deported and he's there waiting for them. So his prophecies serve multiple purposes. Earlier on in the Sefer, um, he's discussing the impending destruction. Hashem's telling him what's going to happen. There's not much you can do to stop it. It's a result of your prior, of Kali Yisrael's prior sins. And then the later prophecies are what we call Nechamas, which are more, it's more comforting. It's ensuring the Jewish people that, that this destruction is only temporary. 
um, you will come out of this, you will go back, and this is what it will look like. Um, these are very similar in structure um, to the books of Yeshayahu and Yirmiyahu. So there's there's a little bit of a, a pattern, a trend there. Um, and this week's op- this week's half Torah is discussing a certain set of offerings that will be made by the leader, so to speak. I'll explain that later. Um, after Bnei Yisrael are redeemed from our exile. So it's important to note that the Mepharshim, the commentators, actually disagree pretty heavily on whether or not um, this week's Haftorah is speaking about the second or the third temple. Most think it's about the third, but because, Yeshaya, or because Yechezkel is speaking um, to people that are in Bavel, it's not, it's not entirely clear. There are reasons to believe that this could be speaking about the second temple, which hasn't been, been built yet. However, most people do think it's about the third, and that being the case, um, we have to think about, like I said, the difficulty that the commentators have. After all, their commentators are not Nevi'im. All they have to work off of in terms of clarifying what's in this text is what the Navi has already told them. So in a sense, they're very much in the dark about what this third temple is going to look like because bearing in mind where a lot of the commentators are in history, they weren't around to see the first or the second temple. So they have no experience, nothing, nothing to go off of, no other texts about what the third temple really will look like. And... It's very hard for them to clarify what's in the text for that reason. Um, so with all that being said, let's at least try to understand a little bit of what's going on in this third temple. So this week's half tour is discussing a set of offerings that will be made by this, this leader. The text uses the word Nasi and then interchangeably uses the word Kohen um, after Bnei Yisrael are redeemed from our exile. So it's describing all of this taking place in another Beis HaMikdash. So... Baftor starts off describing this inauguration sacrifice of the third temple, and that's going to be performed by a Nasi whose role is not entirely clear. Um, and these are all designed to be an atonement for the sins that, that the Jewish nation did while we were in exile. So the role of this Nasi figure in this Haftor is very ambiguous. He seems to have several roles which are traditionally not all allocated to one person. They might have been divided between a king, a navi, a kohen, a priest, um, but they all are compiled into his role in this Haftorah. So he's leading the people, he's representing the, us in the Beis HaMikdash, and he's also in tune with what Hashem's expectations are for him. So his role is, is not like anything that we have precedent for in any other place in Tanakh. The sacrifice that this Haftorah describes, it looks eerily similar to the Korban Pesach that was described in Sefer Shmos, in the very first Pesach in the Maftir for this week. Um, this, this sacrifice that the Nasi and the Third Temple is going to bring should be brought on Rosh Chodesh Nisan, that's in Perak Yud Ches, and that is likely a very good reason this Haftor is related to the, the Maftir for this week. In Pasuk Yod Tes, the next Pasuk, we see the Kohen is um, ordered to take blood from this offering and put it on the doorpost of the Beis HaMikdash. Again, very similar to what the Korban Pesach looked like in um, the, the very first Pesach story in the Exodus. Um, it also looks like the Haftor is commanding us to do this process again on the 7th of Nisan and then again on the 14th of Nisan, which um, 
obviously, again, it's very much like the Korban Pesach that would happen on Rosh Chodesh Nisan. So that's what Parak Mem He is discussing. Next, as we transition into this new Parak Mem Vav, it's discussing how exactly Kal Yisrael will participate in the Third Temple compared with how the Nasi will par- participate in the, in the Third Temple. To the WhatsApp group, I'm going to send a diagram um, so you can better orient yourselves exactly to what, what is being discussed in this part of the Haftorah. I'm going to send a diagram rendered by Art Scroll. This is also based on Yechezkel's description in later chapters of the exact dimensions that the third base of Mikdash will have. So this should give you an idea of what I'm referencing when I'm referencing certain areas. Um, so the Haftorah in, in Memvav, in Parak Memvav, tells us that a special section, which is not usually open on weekdays, will be open on Shabbat and on Rosh Chodesh. And that's perhaps another connection to Parsha Sachodesh, speaking about Rosh Chodesh. Um, this specific section is the Eastern Court, which is highlighted in yellow on the diagram. Next, the Haftorah moves on to describe where the Nasi will come in versus where the common people, the Am Haaretz, will, will enter the base of Mikdash and where they will leave. It says the common people should leave the temple through the gate opposite of that which they came in. So there's a northern gate and a southern gate. If they enter through the north, they should exit through the south and vice versa. Um, there are certain occasions on which the Nasi will enter and leave through the same door. And that door that he would use is highlighted in pink on the diagram. Haftor finishes by telling us what some of the daily offerings will be and including, you guessed it, what the Rosh Chodesh offering will bring. So that was very esoteric. If you read in the text, it's, it's very hard to understand what's going on here. But there are some very good parallels that we can draw based on the Maftir and what is in the Haftorah. So in Rav Zirang Shir that I mentioned earlier, he draws a very close parallel between this Haftorah and Yitzhak's Mitzray. We see the development of the Korbanos, of the sacrifices in the Haftorah. They correspond very well with the development of the Korbanos that happened immediately prior to Yetzias Mitzrayim. In both texts, we saw in the Pesukim that a Pesach sacrifice was or will be given on the 14th of Nisan. So that's a very clear parallel. There's also a close connection between Moshe in Yetzias Mitzrayim and the Nasi in this Haftorah. Um, both of them serve as a bit of an intermediary between the people and between Hashem, and both of them have a little bit of an outstanding role. The only person that we can really tangentially compare this Nasi figure to that we see in the Haftorah is arguably Moshe Rabbeinu, so that is perhaps another connection. And the Korbanos that the Nasi gives up in this Haftorah are thought of as parallel not only do they structurally parallel the korbanos that are given um, by Pesach, but their purpose, the reason that they were given, they're similar to a certain set of sacrifices that Moshe Rabbeinu made in Shmos chapter 29 that are called, called Miluim, which were the sacrifices that were used when the Mishkan was first inaugurated and Aaron and his sons were installed as priests. So Moshe is making a certain set of korbanos in Shmos, and this Nasi is making a certain set of korbanos, and they both have the purpose of inaugurating, of being the first thing that happens in their respective temple or temple-like structures. So there's another parallel. Um, so all this is to say, <laughs> the themes of Pesach, the Geula, our redemption from slavery to freedom, 
They're not only in Sefer Shmos. Yechezkel, the Haftor this week, is very much telling us that this is something that, please God, very soon is going to become relevant again in the future. When Mashiach comes, when we have a third temple, this is something that we as a nation are going to need to know how to do and are going to need to know how to handle. Um, it, it's not as though the Pesach story happened once and now it's over. These korbanos happened once and, and, and that's what happened in, in the Chumash, but it's never going to happen for us again. No, it's going to happen again. It's an ongoing process and, and it's something to be that we need to be prepared for. So I think that's really why this Haftor developed as part of our Masora. It, it even gives me chills to speak about it because it, it, it brings it down. It makes it very real. There's lots of things that are discussed about Mashiach and what the third temple and will be like. And they're, they're not necessarily so so rooted in text. But from this Haftor, we see that these ideas are real. This future is real. And it could be here anytime before we know it. So, um Thank you guys for bearing with me this week. Like I said, it was a very difficult Haftorah to understand. If you have more ideas, questions, I can try to answer them or reach out to somebody who can help me get them answered. Um, please let me know. Feel free to reach out. And um, I'll see you next week. Have a wonderful, wonderful Shabbos.